The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Would you put your hands together for the Lord? Remain standing, if you will. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. Start a new series today. Probably just two, possibly three parts to it. I feel very uh, pressed by the Holy Spirit to preach the message I'm going to preach to you. I believe it's timely with regard to our elections. And where we're at in our nation Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 22, entitled the, the series to Christian Citizen. Acts 22, find verse 23, and we'll read 23 through Acts 23, verse 7. Reading from the New King James, if you're all there, say amen. amen. All right, and we do have notes for you. And as they bounded with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And when the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care what you do, for this man is a Roman. And the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. With a large, and the commander answered, With a large sum I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman. And because he had bound him. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. For you sit to judge me according to your law and do not commend... Do not command me to be, and com, pardon me, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, Do you revile God's high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that this was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. But when Paul perceived that one part of the Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead. I am being judged. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you've done in the first service. Now what you'll do here in this 10 o'clock service. Move in power, Holy Spirit. May we never be the same. We're not come for some lecture. Lord, we've really come to have fellowship with you and to hear from heaven what you might say to us, your people. Give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. Burn faith, 
Lord, in each of us, I pray, as your word is preached, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. I'm so encouraged by our guest that was here, uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, become a friend of mine. What a fireball. Powerful. And uh, we will continue in meetings like that with healings and signs and wonders and miracles. I felt very impressed, even under a mandate this morning, to preach to you the word that I'm going to preach. I'm mindful that I'm not just preaching to a few hundred people here this morning, but also to those that are online and those that will listen even by podcast in the days to come. There is an author and really a great thinker who influenced C.S. Lewis. His name is Chesterton. That's C-H-E-S-T-E-R-T-O-N. He wrote a parable, which I have shared here before. In fact, this text I preached from in 2010. And the parable that Chesterton wrote is profound, and I believe it's a parable that fits where we are in the United States of America, and I'd like to read it to you. It's called The Lamp Post. Suppose a great commotion arises in the streets about something, let's say a lamp post, which many influential persons desire to pull down. A gray-clad monk who's in the spirit of the Middle Ages is approached upon the matter and begins to say in the arid manner of the schoolmen, quote, let us first consider, my brethren, the value of light. If light be in itself good, at this point, he's somewhat excusably knocked down. All the people make a rush for the lamppost. The lamppost, in a matter of 10 minutes, is pulled down. And they go about congratulating each other on their unmedieval practicality. But as things go on, they don't work out as easily. Some people have pulled down the lamp post because they wanted the electric light. Some because they wanted old iron. Some because they wanted darkness because their deeds were evil. Some thought it not enough of a lamp post. Some thought it too much. Some acted because they wanted to smash municipal machinery. Some because they wanted to smash something. And there's a war in the night. No man knowing whom he strikes. So gradually, inevitably, today, tomorrow, or the next day, there comes back the conviction that the monk was right after all. And that all depends on what is the philosophy of light. Only what we might have discussed under the gas lamps, we now discuss in the dark. The lampstand in America is being pulled down. And we as Christian citizens, and I say it that way, having come just from Chile and have to show my passport, um, I am a United States of America, a citizen of the United States of America. And I'm a proud American. I'm not proud of the filth that our nation is purveying in the backslidden state that we're in. But I am proud of our history. And I do believe that we are one of the greatest nations in the world. We enjoy privileges, freedom, the right to speech, the right to bear arms. We are a great nation, but what has made us great has been God. And we have begun to drift, maybe more than drift and more than begin. As a Christian, we believe that truth exists because God exists. 
and we believe in absolute truth. We believe that he's spoken through his word, deeds, and ultimately through his son, Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 1 and verse, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. We believe that God's word is God's word. We believe that there is a right and there is a wrong. We believe in absolute truth. And there is a great battle that is ensued in our country and really all around the world. And the battle is the worldview. What worldview will determine the laws of our land? Our laws and our constitution have been determined basically upon God's word. But we're, we're throwing away and pushing, standing, getting away from the Constitution, getting away from that which is right, biblically. The battle is, will our laws revolve around the Word of God, moral boundaries and absolutes, or will our laws revolve around reason and what people think is true or whatever is the fashion of the day? And it's because of that battle and the upcoming elections, really, over the next few years, that I preach this series to you. Now, let's look at the text. A fascinating time in the Apostle Paul's life. He's fulfilling a vow, to, so you understand the context of it. He's in the temple. He's been seized by the Jews from Asia who stir up the crowd and attempt to beat him to death. The Jews see him as their arch enemy, and they're going to wipe him out. Roman soldiers see this riot going on, so they intervene and they basically save Paul's life, but they're going to flog him. He's about to be flogged, and very possibly Paul was going to die during that flogging. They say 40 lashes would kill a man, almost certainly, so 40 lashes minus one would be one lash from death, and he asked Really, I believe in the wisdom of God, is it lawful for you to flog a Roman citizen who's not been found guilty? And immediately this concern happens between the centurion and the commander. They're like, oh my God, oh, he's a, he's a Roman. And you can tell that there's fear that comes on them. And the reason is that to flog a Roman, to, to judge a Roman without a trial is a tremendous crime in the Roman Empire. And so they understood that if you were a citizen, you had rights. And Paul was a citizen even from birth. And so this fear kind of goes through the camp. And, and uh, they're freaked out, really. And they, they put Paul to the leaders of the Jews, to the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. And Paul, the apostle Paul, protests an unjust action taken against him. He's... In fact, he's, he's slapped in the mouth, and he says, may God slap you. Actually, what he was doing is prophesying, not, not, but a couple years later, that high priest is killed through a rebellion. God slapped him. God, God judged him. And it's unusual because, I don't find it all that unusual, but it's unusual in our culture because some, some people think that Christians need to be nice. Let me, let me run that through again. Some people think that once you're a Christian, that you can just, you know, just bow down and just 
cower to whatever, just, just to let everybody just run all over you, that now that you're a Christian, you can be a doormat. Can I tell you something? That is absolutely, positively not what, te- what Scripture says. Now that we are to turn the other cheek, and there is suffering, absolutely. But there's a time to stand up to let your voice be heard. And we are in such a time as that. It's not a time to be apathetic and just hope in the sovereignty of God. It's all going to work out. You know what God has done for us, defeating the devil and giving us authority. Come on, somebody say, I've got authority. Some of you are suffering under the torment of the enemy, even demonically. When you're waiting for God to come and set you free. Well, the Lord wants to remind you this morning that he already did. And so what you have to do as a, as a Christian citizen, stand up in your God-given, blood-bought right and rebuke the devourer. Take authority over the enemy. Take authority over your thoughts. And we really need to stand up in our nation and take authority over what's taking place. I'm sickened by what's happened in, in Houston. I'm sickened by it. It's the Black Robe Regiment, the great outpourings of the Spirit of God and the early parts of our country that affected the the signers and the writers of the Constitution. They wrote things like inalienable rights, God of creation. They they used words like providence. You can say whatever you want about our founding forefathers. They believed in God. They believed in the God of the Bible. Even some of them being deist, perhaps, but they believed in God. They believed in right. They believed in wrong. And they would never come to bring votes to a people that contradicted what was right and wrong. That's not the case anymore. Paul's actions, how he stood up and said that's not right, is exactly what we need to do. And if the church loses her voice, you have yet to see the hell will come down on our nation. And so it's time to stand up. I have a little Disney clip that I was going to show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back and just give the illustration. It's uh, The Little Mermaid. How many of you know the story of The Little Mermaid? So she so wants to be with, I think it's Prince Eric. But she's a mermaid. And, and the prince is, well, he's a human being. So her father doesn't seem to be helping her like she wants and so she goes to the witch. And at the witch, the, the, the witch says, oh, I can do that for you. Just give me your voice. Has anybody here ever lost their voice? And so her voice is taken from her. She becomes a human. And the, the end of the story is her father was able to do the miracle for her all along. But she chose another way and lost her voice. The church has been through just a bludgeoning by the enemy. People's failures, pastors failing. People falling, immorality. So to, get the, to try to get the, the voice of the church silenced. Throughout scripture, you'll see the Old Testament, Daniel was used to speak to government. You look in the New Testament, I'm gonna just give a couple examples Daniel was used to speak to the government, but Jeremiah, they didn't like him too much. They threw him in a pit. 
fire shut up in his bones. He was used to speak to government. John the Baptist was used to speak to, to government. Talking to Herod, rebuking him for his, his relationship and adultery. And psycho Herod, the murderer, rebuked him. Jesus spoke to government. You cannot separate church and state. They're not supposed to be separated. They're supposed to operate together based upon the word of God. And that's how, they, that's how our founders intended it. So it's, there's a time for us to speak up and exercise our rights as citizens. And I want to tell you that the time is now. If you've got a song, it's time to sing it. You've got a prayer, you better pray it. You've got something to say, you better say it. And I'm telling you, we've got to speak up. Democracy depends on us. Democracy depends on us. Listen to this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The fact that there's a concept of inalienable rights. There is no other nation on all the earth that has a constitution like that that I'm aware of. Inalienable. We're talking about God. Phraseology, as I said, like providence. You know, about 40 years ago, there's a counterculture movement. Uh, free love. It wasn't love and it wasn't free. And a whole culture turned in rebellion. It really started at the turn of the century, but a whole culture turned in rebellion to, to change the laws. Why not just have sex with whoever you wanted to? Who cares about who cares about whether you're married or not? So on and so forth. And that that opinion driven. Is my tie crooked? How's that? All right. <laughs> can I can I let you in on a little thing? Sometimes when you're preaching or whatever, you know, you, you, you want things to not get in the way of people hearing. And so we have like these little sign languages, you know make sure like the, the, the fly being down that's a good one don't ever let me preach with my fly down amen but the whole hippie the whole hippie movement challenged everything and as a result it really opened a door i believe the demonic began to move into universities began to pollute our land and it's been going on for all quite a while now a nation who had a lamp post has been pulled down. I think we need to put the lamp post back up. Yeah. Political races are won by who makes the loudest noise, by the best propaganda. We cannot be silent. Look at your notes with me. You cannot be silent or we'll lose, lest we lose our freedom. A lamp post must be reignited by the church. And it represents many different things, but democracy is, democracy is fragile, people. I said democracy is fragile. I, I did this in the first service. We'll do it again. Is anybody, anybody born and raised or no, lived in Oregon? You lived in Oregon for any period of time. A few people here. Do you know where Antelope, Oregon is? Antelope, Oregon. How many of you know what happened in the 1980s in Antelope, Oregon? 
there was this man who came over from, I believe, India, and his name was Ranjanish. Do you remember this? Does anybody remember this? And they came with thousands of followers to Antelope, Oregon, and began to take over the entire county because they voted. They voted, and they voted their people in, and they began to change laws, began to change things. And as a result, Antelope, Oregon began to fall because a group of people decided to vote. And, and, and there was many people that were not against him. In fact, they poisoned with salmonella 750 people that were not in agreement with their way. You can look this up on Google. It's like 1980-81. And eventually our government came in and squashed it. But we have the same thing that's happening today. It's just a little bit different. It's slower. Our democracy is depending upon you, whether you stand up and vote, whether you do the right thing. If you're not registered to vote and you're of age, then you need to repent. Then you need to register, and then you need to vote at the next election. And some of you, maybe, maybe God's calling you to run for office. For the love of God, do it. That's, that's ministry, amen? Ministry is more than standing up here with a crooked tie. You know, there's marketplace ministry. How many of you know we need spirit-filled people on the police force? Come on, somebody say amen. We need spirit-filled people as mayors, governors. We need people that love God, love the word, that'll be school teachers and plumbers. All over the place, really, in the arts, in education, in politics. And how are they going to get there unless somebody runs? And how are they going to get there if we don't vote for Because there's a sense that, oh, it's just too late already. Lord, just won't you come back? <laughs> He's coming back, but don't, don't, don't resignate to evil. Don't, evil prospers, says Ecclesiastes, when good men do nothing. Don't, don't be a do-nothing. Be somebody who stands up. You'll stand before God for it. So will I. You know, Hitler came to power on one vote. On one vote, Hitler came to power, started his propaganda machine, and basically ended up defiling a whole nation and killing six million Jews. One vote. One vote. One. Think about that. Crazy. It can happen here. I'm saying it. it it already has in some regard. Christian, instead of voting for the candidate that embraces your values, they vote for a party or they, they vote for some other reason because he's black, because he's white. Hey, I'm just as excited as the next person that we have a black president. I think it tore something down in the spirit. I thought it was very, it was, it's an awesome thing because of the deep racism that runs in our nation. It's great. However, everything else about it has been a nightmare. Just saying. Hashtag Jesus help us. And I honor our president because he's the president of the United States and we bless him. And anything can happen, people. Anything can happen. But no, I'm, I don't think it's good that he's pushed the same-sex marriage agenda. No, I don't. I think lots of things that he's done. Are you getting political in church? Yeah, I am. Absolutely. Because we need to do something about it. That's right. 
I'm going to sit here and play a little patty cake for Jesus. We all hold our hands and say we had a nice church service. Our whole country is headed to hell in a handbasket. And it doesn't have to be that way. We need a great revival. You know what? You know, the thing about America, you know what happened in America was that the founding fathers experienced a great awakening. They had men like Whitfield and, and Jonathan Edwards and these outpourings of the Spirit of God where people would walk for, for hours to come to hear them preach the Word of God. They didn't, have, they didn't have a microphone. They stood on hills and they preached for hours where people came under conviction and the power of God fell. They believed in God. There was an outpouring of the Spirit. I believe that there's a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God coming to America, coming to Alaska, and He's going to use you. He's going to use me. Oh! Oh, we need it. We are backslidden. Country needs a move of the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? When I think about Brownsville, what an out. I mean, I didn't get to go there. I know Pastor Barry told me stories. Different ones went to Brownsville. Praise God. Brownsville, that city's just as polluted and messed up as it ever was. We need a revival that's not just within the four walls of the church and nations coming. It needs to get out into your home. It needs to get into, it needs to get into the Oval Office. we got to stand for what's right and stand against what God said is wrong. You know, politicians don't worry about you because they know you're going to vote again and you'll probably vote for them again, no matter how they vote. Most people don't know how their politicians voted on, on abortion, on same-sex marriage. Well, let me say this. Then in the end, you and I will stand before God's throne to give an account for how we lived and how we voted. He said, well, I, I, I don't really know. Well, maybe you should educate yourself. I believe that we need to intervene for the unborn. They certainly can't vote for themselves. It's the modern day Holocaust. It's the worship of Molech. It's murdering at the altar of convenience. Minister Micah, bring your beautiful child here. Look at this beautiful baby. And there's people that take babies' lives because it's inconvenient for them and they're not ready. They're not ready to be able He agrees. You see, if you can say that, it, that, it's, that it's about evolution, this is how it works. See, if you, did, if you didn't come from heaven, if, you, if God didn't, God created man in his own image, right? right? So you're made in God's image. Say it, I'm made in God's image. Okay, but if you can remove God and you remove the word, and then you say that we're not made in God's image because God doesn't exist. So then we actually come from a process of chemical reactions out of the primordial slime. I mean, how? <sighs> a series of reactions and over millennium of thousands and thousands and millions of years we get a child you see so if you didn't come from from made in the image of god and you actually came from slime then it's a lot easier to kill a tadpole it's easier to kill just a little something swimming around in some fluid because it's not really that big a deal do you get it okay but guess what before i knew you before you were in your mother's womb i knew you I knit you together 
We need to contend, thank you, for the unborn. We need to contend for that. We, you know, it's the Supreme Court's going to have to overthrow Roe versus Wade, but can, can we not believe? You know, it's all a matter who shouts the loudest. You ever notice that? My first pastor was on the island of Molokai. The island of Molokai is about 7,000 people there. It is the most economically depressed island in the Hawaiian island chain. You've never heard of it. Most of you have not, no idea that there even is a Molokai. You heard of Maui, you heard of the Hawaii, you heard of Oahu and Honolulu. But most people, they really never heard of Molokai because the beaches are lame, mostly. And there's no big, huge hotels and, you know, all of that. It, it's just not there. But there's, there's, there's a people that live there, about 7,000 of them. It is one of the most economically depressed places. There's more teenage suicide there, more, more perversion there. There is, uh, I mean, just, just abject poverty. I mean, there, there really is, it's, people love it, but it's been hard. Now, there's been a bit of a turnaround since I was there. They've had some miracles taking place. But when I got there, I mean, the, all the hotel had just closed. There's no jobs. People are on welfare, and it's, it was hard. And there was a, a, uh, a ship company, you know, a tour company that did cruises, was going to bring their seven or eight-story vessel into Molokai and bring thousands of people in to visit the shops in town and to buy things and locally made products. And it would have boosted the economy in an amazing way. And the whole island wanted it, except for about 15 or 20 people. No exaggeration. And there was, there was really like a, a bit of a war going on over it. When that boat came in, those 15 or 20 people got in their little boats, their little, the little rowboats. They got in their Boston whalers with their 20 horsepower engines. They, they, they got everything that could float, canoes, all kinds of stuff. And they paddle out and they got in the way of this gigantic vessel holding thousands of people. The thousands of people wanted to come on, on onto the island and experience the beauty of Molokai. The pe most of the people of Molokai wanted them to come because they're starving and they need money and they need clothes. And 15 or 20 people stood in their little boats and they yelled curses at them in Hawaiian and wouldn't let them drop their anchor and wouldn't let them come in unless the boat was going to run them over. And, you know, that's not going to happen. 15 or 20 people changed the course of an entire economy because they thought it was wrong. That is exactly what happens today. About 15 or 20 people run the media. There's, yeah, I'm just saying that we need to stand up and declare what's truth. We need to live it. We need to proclaim it. We need to declare it. We need to vote. Can you say amen? Yeah. Pretty aggressive sermon, but I'm just stirred. We need to intervene in the rights of the unborn. We must persevere in the fight in preserving marriage as God has defined it. You know, there's always sexual laws. Even the Muslims have sexual laws. Okay, so as a Muslim, as I understand it, you can only have four wives. Well, why can't you have five? No, they say you can only have four. Okay, we say you can have one. It's a law in America. One wife. One husband. Why is that? Because we're founded on the word of God for the love of... I mean, give me a break. What did we come up with that? 
from the word. That's where we came up with it. We have laws about sexuality. Thank God. So if, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a girl, I don't, know what, I don't know what the age is, changes. I think it's 14 or is it 16? What is, what's, the, what's the legal age of consent in Alaska? Anybody know it? It sure ain't 12. 12, you go to jail. Because it's called, what is it, sir? 16 years old, thank you. So, so underneath, six, if you're below 16 and somebody has sex with a, somebody who's under 16 years old, I, I don't want to quote the whole law because I don't know it, and I could call one of our troopers or legal people up here to do that. But the point is, here's the, the essence of it. The point is, thank God for laws like that. Because you'd have preverts running all over the place trying to sleep with anything they can. And so why do we have laws like that? To protect our children. To protect people. So if you throw out, you start throwing away things like marriages between a man and a woman, you throw that out. And you begin to throw, then you, I mean, they're already saying that pedophilia is a sexual perversion. I mean, uh, pardon me, a, a sexual preference. We know it's a perversion. It's a saying it's a sexual preference. Did you hear me? Are you guys aware of what's happening? Are, are you aware? That's what's happening. So the next time you get out to vote, and I hope it's this next coming week or so, don't vote because don't vote according to Republican lines or Democratic. Vote the issues is what you vote. Don't vote somebody's color or their ethnic background. You vote the issues is how you vote. Legalization of marijuana. How stupid can you be and breathe? Well, that legalized alcohol is legal. Might as well smoke some dope. Now, I'm, I understand that there's some medical benefits of marijuana. I'm not sure what they are. I'm not. You know, maybe there is. I mean, I'm not a doctor. But I do know it's a gateway drug. And you talk to anybody. You talk to anybody that does any counseling. You talk to anybody that, that, that sits before people and, and, and endeavors to get them free. There's no way in God's name you'd vote that thing in. You just wouldn't do it. You know, I have sit in my office year after year and I counsel people. And we are, we, are, we are making laws in our nation that are going to destroy our nation. And we've been doing it. So what's the point, Pastor? Well, we got to take action. We've we, we got to be concerned about the next generation. Let me bring this to a close. Minister Mike, would you come? Take action. Everybody say take action. All right, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to be a people of prayer. Listen, un understand, I, I love bringing the happy, joy-filled, pour oil over everybody, Holy Ghost service, with healing and miracles. But there comes a time where I've got to stand in the place as a pastor before the Lord and tell you, Messages like this, as a body, we need to hear this. I believe the message is, this message needs to be preached all over America. I believe that. Take action. Number one, pray. Everybody say pray. Pray. Be a person of prayer. Pray for our president. Say pray for our president. Yeah, pray for our president. I don't know where he, I don't know where he stands. Somebody said he's a Muslim. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to pray for him. I've been praying for him. I'm going to continue to pray. Listen, Abraham Lincoln, when he came to office, he was not a believer. 
But a pastor of the New York Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. won him over. And he got saved. And he got discipled. And he was called the great emancipator. We need another great emancipator. Pray. You pray for those elected officials. You you pray for the coming elections. God's powerful, man. He can touch anybody. He can do anything. Pray for our military. You pray for our police and our state troopers. You pray. You pray. You pray. You make it a part of the very fabric of your life. You pray. Secondly, you call. Call? Yeah. Call those that are in office. Email. My friend Twittered uh, on, on the issue of Houston. Uh, Randy Bolander, and he said, I think every Monday, how many of you know what's going on in Houston? The homosexual mayor is mandating that pastors send their, send in their sermons on Monday. My friend said over, over Twitter, he said, I think all pastors in the United States of America should fax and email and, and send their messages to her every Monday. I think it's a good idea. She might like hearing this one. Praise the Lord. What if they take your 501c3? Who cares? Really, I mean, there's more at stake than tax exemption. Can somebody say amen? Call, question, support, find out why they're voted, how they voted. Look at the record. When they don't don't vote according to what's right, according to truth, ask them why. Tell them you don't like that. You're not into that. Don't vote for people that are into abortion. Don't do that. You become a party to it. And support them. Send them money for those that are doing the right thing. They need support. Amen. And lastly, vote. Vote. V-O-T-E. It is a responsibility before God that we have as Christian citizens. And you're a Christian before you're whatever nation you're from. First and foremost, your allegiance is to God. To God, then then country. I believe we're headed for a great revival. Do you believe that? Could would you let's stand to our feet and pray for America? Come on, let's lift our voice. Got any patriots out there today? Come on, let's pray. Let's pray for our country. Heavenly Father, we stand in the place of prayer now. Lord, we ask that you'd forgive us. Lord, for our voice that's even been stolen because of apathy or lethargy. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, as believers, as citizens of heaven and even citizens of the United States of America, we pledge to do the right thing, to to pray, to call, to, to do whatever we can do. Even those that are called to run for office, I pray that you'd help them release support and finances and provision and that God we would see our backslidden country turn back to you we would see a great revival raise up the Charles Finneys once again raise up revivalists Lord Lord in the universities raise up those under like John the Baptist raise up Lord a prophetic generation with the spirit of Elijah raise up a generation Lord that will stand on your word and boldly proclaim the truth Raise up, Lord, Jonathan Edwards. Raise up, people. 
who are not afraid of man. Not man pleasers. Raise up radical Nazarite God pleasers. Raise up people who are radical for you. Lord, upon the youth and the young adults. Lord, upon us. Lord, you, you're doing it in the praying grandmothers and you're even touching babies and everything in between. God, bring revival to America. Come on, say that. Say, Lord, bring revival to America. Bring revival to America, we pray. Another great awakening, another wave, a third wave, an outpouring of the Spirit from sea to shining sea. Touch America, God. We cry out, Lord, for truth. We cry out for a reformation. Lord, do it from the White House to the outhouse and everything in between. God, touch America, we pray. Touch America. Touch America. Touch America, Lord, with the power of the gospel in Jesus' name. And we thank you with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're not right with God. You're not right with God today. That's the first step to turning a nation is turning hearts one by one. And if you're not right, well, get right. Repent. So how do I do that? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. He made a way for you. He made a way for me for our sins to be forgiven. There is no other way. There's no other way to have your sins forgiven. There's no other way to have heaven be your home in the end when you die. And you will. You will die. I will die. You don't know when that is. And if your sins are not covered by the blood of the Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, then your sins remain. And you'll stand before God. The fact that there is a judgment is a proof that God has made a way. I mean, you're gonna stand there. Nobody will be able to help you in that hour if you don't make a decision right now. And if you're not right with God or you want to give your heart to Him for the first time or make a recommitment all across this place, just slip your hands up if that's you. Do it right now. Don't play church. You want to get right with God. You know you're not right. Lift your hand right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. God bless you. Lift your hand. Lift your hand if you want to get right with God for the first time or make a recommitment. Don't play church. Don't do it. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain and there's life abundant right now. Not about a bunch of rules and regulations. It's living for the one who made you. It's a love relationship. It'll give you peace. It'll strengthen you. Heal your body. Heal your emotions. Lift your hands right now if you want to get right with God. Perhaps online. Let's pray right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me of all my sins and come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray, touch every heart here. Break off every lie. chain every bondage in the name of Jesus come on just talk to the Lord for a moment service is almost over we're going to close in just a moment just want to 
Wait on the Holy Ghost for a second. You have the freedom to pray with your spirit. Go ahead and do it right now. Marlene, come here. Come here. Come here. I won't pray for you. The enemy's trying to put depression on you. It's been overwhelming. It's been overwhelming at times. Strength comes to you today. Your appetite returns today. I said, your appetite returns today. Go eat a great lunch. (laughs) And you will find yourself rising in new vitality and new strength. I break off depression now in the name of Jesus. Lord, touch and heal her body. Come on, just lift your voice. Come on a moment longer. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We praise your name. Alaska, hear the word of the Lord. You shall be. United States of America, hear the word of the Lord. You shall. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, hear the word of the Lord. You shall. If you believe that to be the will of God, say amen. Amen. Lift your hands and let me bless you. We'll close this morning. Father, thank you for what you've done. Jesus, the last thing you did before you ascended into heaven is you blessed your disciples. God, blessing is real. Curses are real. Now, Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards each and every one. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Use us. And give us peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.